That's one way to expand the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, just a, a, a side note. Um, you know, I, I just was this morning in prayer and in preparation. I was really thinking about all the people who serve. Uh, serve in this place to make things happen. We have people in the kids zone area and they transfer out every week and they rotate. We have people in the, we have two nurseries. Now some of you might not have ever even been over to that side of the building. We have two nurseries that need to be staffed every week. We have greeters. And, and it's just, you know, be in prayer for all those people that come and serve. And I also just want to encourage you to be praying about how maybe you could be involved. Um, specifically right now we are looking for a few people who'd come and help be ushers and greeters. Um, and it would be really neat if the cell groups Cell leaders and, and those in cells, if, if you could come together and maybe find, uh, maybe your cell would take over the greeting one, one month, uh, one weekend a month or something like that. So be in prayer that we want to just continue to let ro- people rotate. Um, and so we can also get a chance to meet other people and, and of course, be praying if God has stirred it on your heart to be involved in any type of one of the ministries. If you've got a heart for kids, if you, anything like that. Um, to let us know. In fact, uh, the offering are on the back wall for those visiting this morning. We don't take a, a, an official offering. We just let you do what God has told you to do in the back. But if you're interested in being a part of a ministry, even just take one of the tithe envelopes or a piece of paper and write that I'm interested in this ministry. And I want to also encourage you because some of you are saying, you know, I just really don't want to want to do kids right now. You know, sometimes there's ministries in the church that are a lot like cleaning the fridge out. You know? Nobody really likes to clean out the fridge, but it has to be done. And, you know, and, so, and there's things that just have to be done. Um, we don't want to wear people out uh, that serve continually week after week. So really be in person. You know, what, what could I do, God? What could I offer? And uh, even if it's, you know, I'll, I'll do it once every two months. Well, that's great because that's once every two months. Maybe we'll get somebody to have a break. And uh, Leah's with us this morning, but often she's over there in the kids' zone, and and I'm sure she would say, "Amen." <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. <sighs> Father, it is so good to be in your presence. It's so good to celebrate with the believers. God, this morning. We need to hear from you. God, we need a fresh word for today. God, we need, we need a fresh vision this week. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, I pray that uh, my words would be yours this morning. And God, I pray that you would anoint them and also anoint the hearer. God, I pray that no matter how many mistakes I make or how many things I say that are, are, are confusing, God, that you would really help those that hear the word to to grasp the message this morning. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for assembling us together at Big Bear Christian Center. Father, we thank you for assembling us together week to week in cell groups throughout the valley where we can encourage one another and, and spur each other on to good works. God, we pray that the work would continue on and grow and that your glory would be manifest in this place in our lives and in this valley. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go meet Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. (coughs) Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us 
through the veil that is His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hallelujah. Many years ago, I was up at the, at the, uh, at the uh, Baldwin Mine. For those of you who know where that's at, over by the dump. And uh, when I was just a teen, uh, a number of us, three, four of us, would get up every Saturday and or Sunday morning. Um, Sunday, every Sunday. And we would go up about 5.30 or 6 in the morning and we'd pray over the valley. And God was just stirring that up. And I saw a vision one morning. And it was really cool because we were just up there praying. And, and from Baldwin Mine, it, it's just kind of a nice view and you can begin to see. And I just began to see um, like liquid light get poured into the valley area. And it began to fill up Baldwin Lake and it began to go down over and wash across Stanfield Cutoff. And it began to fill up the valley and it went up so high that it began to flow out past the dam and over the dam and it flowed down into San Bernardino and it flowed back down into... into uh, Victorville and Lucerne Valley, and it was just such a neat, a neat picture. That the, and it was the glory of God. God was saying that He's going to pour out His glory in this valley so much that it's going to wash off into other places, and people will know this town as a place for the glory of God. Now, I was really young and zealous, and I was really excited about that word. And I came and remember talking to Pastor Jeff, and and this is 20 years ago now, and and he said that same vision has been seen at least two other times, and told to me that God gave the same vision. God has got a plan for this place. And He wants to pour out His glory in this place. Last week we talked about revival. Do you guys remember what the the main purpose of revival was? To glorify God. Right? To glorify God. God wants to bring revival to our hearts, to our lives, to the corporate body so so that He would be glorified, so that He would be manifested in this place. And that's what God is stirring up. And so last week we talked about that the key, one of the keys to revival was repentance. And there's a number of things that could have been said, but we started with repentance because I believe that's where we needed to start. And it's the kickstarter. It's a beginning. It's just the foundation of a revived spiritual life is repentance. And sadly, we try to surpass that. We try to bypass that sometimes and just pray for revival without ever dealing with repentance. My prayer is that this last week that you were doing that. I have been doing that. And you know what? I'm not done. I'll never be done. Because I agree with Paul. I am a sinful creature. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do. And, you know, so what shall I say? And so it's going to be a continuing process of praying, God, show me my wickedness. Show me the things that, you, you, that aren't pleasing to you. Show me the things that you don't desire. And strip those down from me. And so last week as we went through that, this week, many of you, I believe, were, were praying and seeking God. God, show me. There's, there's a passion, there's a stirring up in the, in the church of revival. And so I know that a number of you probably may have gone home and really sought this week. Maybe some of you even decided to fast. And I encourage you to begin to fast and pray. Um, and, so, and so some of you spent the week soul searching, examining yourself, crying out to God. And maybe you've, some of you felt like you've gotten victory in some areas of your life. And maybe have moved closer to God. This week I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. And... But some of you possibly have looked at your life this week and looked at your sin and then you felt condemned. You felt guilty. Maybe this week you said, sorry, but not forgive me. You felt guilty and said, God, I'm so sorry. 
but didn't go the next step and say, God, forgive me. Or maybe you did ask forgiveness, but really haven't received it and aren't able to receive forgiveness from the Lord this morning. Maybe you feel that God cannot or will not forgive you for the things that you've done, for the things that you're doing in your life. And, and, I, and I thought that that could be a possibility and I want to quickly deal with that because the Bible says, the Bible says that there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1 Romans 8.1 There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't need to feel condemned over our sin. We need to repent of it and deal with it. And then move on. The scripture I just read said that, that uh, um, in Hebrews 10.22, it said, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. Why? To cleanse us from a guilty conscience. God wants to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We're not supposed to live our life with guilt and condemnation. We're supposed to live our life with freedom. But we do have to come to the point of repenting from our sins. Um, I've got a, a definition of, of conviction and condemnation, and you, you probably have heard it because I believe it was Pastor Jeff who gave it years ago, and it's just stuck with me because often we don't know what the difference between conviction and condemnation is. We confuse them. And some people, anytime they ever feel uh, guilty or anything at all, they just dismiss it and try to move on. They don't want to feel bad. They don't want to think of anything. Conviction is good, but let me tell you the difference, uh, one way of telling the difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation is a feeling bad about something you've done or something you're doing that drives you away from God. Condemnation is a feeling that, of, of bad, a, a feeling of guilt that you've done something that drives you away from God. Conviction is the exact same feeling is feeling bad or guilty that you've done something that draws you to God. God convicts us of sin. And when He convicts us, it's for the purpose that he, we would draw to Him and get closer to Him. He never wants us to run away from Him. So this week, if that was you going, you know, I, I looked at my life and it's just horrible and I just feel so bad about myself, that's condemnation. Look at your life and say, God, I can't do this. I need you in my life and run to God and let that condemnation turn into conviction and, and let it cleanse you. Cleanse you from a guilty conscience, as the word says. And so we just need to... That's not even the message this morning, but I need, we need to say that to move on. You know, we're not going to spend time just playing in the devil's field. The devil wants us to be condemned. We're, 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 we're victorious in Christ. And so now that we've repented, what? We've repented and God's going to clear our conscience of, of guilt. But now what? If you, I believe what we need to do is uh, go to Hosea to find out. See, God's got a plan for us. We're going to find out what it is. But God's got a plan for us. In Romans 14.7, don't turn there, but Romans 14.7, that God's plan for us is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're not going to live in condemnation. We're not going to live in guilt. We're not going to live there, but we're going to move forward and have joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And in Hosea 11.1, 1, it's just a simple scripture, if you can find Hosea. After Ezekiel, Old Testament. You know, as you read the Bible, as you continue to look there, we find that we are a spiritual Israel. We were grafted into the vine, so we are Israel. And all those promises that Israel, that God made for Israel, we can take and, and for ourselves, and this is one of them. When Israel was a child, I loved him. When Israel was a child, I loved him. 
God loves you. He doesn't want you to be condemned. He just wants you to run to Him knowing that you can't do it on your own. Hallelujah. Some are still trying to look for that. God loves us. There's another scripture just going to the left a little bit. Jeremiah. And I said this last night. Jeremiah 31. This week, this, uh, in the last few weeks as I've been praying and fasting and seeking God. She just keeps bringing me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is just, it's becoming my favorite book for the moment until he brings another book. He wants to deal with me with that book. Jeremiah 31. Hallelujah. It says in verse 3, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. Again you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. God loves us. He's calling us to Himself for the purpose to restore us. He's convicting us of sin to restore us to Himself so that we can again celebrate and go out with tambourines and dancing. Hallelujah. Leave your tambourines at home, but come to dance. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The worship team asked me to put that in there. But you know, we, we've, we wanted... What, what is that? It's a time to celebrate. We're going to come to the Lord. He's going to draw us because He loves us. Church, don't live in condemnation. Don't live in condemnation. And so, God's love is constant. He loved us in the beginning. And, and I love to find the Scriptures in the Old Testament that say God loves us. It's easy to find in the New Testament. It's all over the place. But in the Old Testament, it's wonderful to see it because you can read the Old Testament and almost feel like God's punishing us. That God hates us. That He wants to judge us. But all of those things, when you read the whole Old Testament you see that He allows sin. He allows the, the results of sin to chastise us, to bring us back to repentance. And He allows us to be carried away captive by the world, if that's what we choose. So that after we've been taken away captive, we'll return to the Lord. And that's, that's one of the messages in Jeremiah, and that's why it's been so good. So after repentance, then what? Let's go with Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles is right after First Chronicles. Was <laughs> oh, that helpful? That's good. That's good. Don't don't confuse it with Corinthians, which I did for years and years and years. <laughs> Amen. In chapter seven, it's one of the scriptures we we read last week. It's one of the scriptures that you've heard. It's one of the scriptures that we know and sometimes can let it just grow cold in our lives, but we need it to be alive again. It says, If my people who are called by my name... That's us, church. We are His people this morning. And we're called by His name. We are Christians. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's what God is asking. God hears us, God forgives us, and God heals us. That's what we find in that Scripture. We repent, we cry out to God, He hears us. 
He forgives us when we say, God, forgive me. And then He heals us. And we're, we're praying to God. We're going to God this week going, heal my heart. Heal my broken, sad, cold heart and make it new and revive it. And that's our prayer. In the, in the Scriptures, we are turning from our wicked ways. It says, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. And I agree, like I said a moment ago, I agree with Apostle. It's an ongoing, lifelong process. If last Sunday you went, wow, that's really good, I'm going to spend five minutes and repent from my sins, and then didn't think about it all week, then we're missing it. We need to continually say, God, show me. Show me the things in my life that aren't pleasing to you. Because every day, I pick something back up that isn't pleasing to Him again. And we need to continually be open to what God might say to us. And so we're doing that. We've done that and we're doing that. We're turning from our wicked ways. And if we don't do that, if we don't humble ourselves, we can't do that. It says to humble yourself. If you really repented, you had to humble yourself to do it. Because you said, God, I can't do it. I need you. I agree. And so we've humbled ourselves. We've, re- we've repented of our wicked ways. So now what? The other two parts in that, it's time to pray and seek God. It says, pray and seek my face. That's the part that we need to begin to do. And that's what this week is all about. This message is about praying and seeking God to find Him. We can't find God if we have sin in our lives. So we had to deal with that first. And now we want to begin to pray and seek God. And what's really exciting about this is God wants to be found by us. God wants to fellowship with us. He's not hiding from us. He's calling us to Himself. Revelation 3.20. We know this scripture and we use this a lot uh, for unsaved people. I want to encourage us to say, that's not for unsaved people. This scripture is the one that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. And we say that to people who aren't saved. You know, God is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking. And if you'll open it, he's talking to Christians. This is in one of the letters that he's writing to the church. He's saying to us today, church, I stand at the door and knock. I want to come in. Open the door. Let me come in and fellowship with you. And that's what we want to do. We want to open up the door today and let God come in and begin to fellowship because for some crazy reason, He wants to. I mean, look at your neighbor and say, I can't believe God wants to fellowship with you. (laughs) You know, I mean, come on. But He does. He loves us. He loves us so much. I mean, it's like a mom. And my mom is the mommiest mom of moms. You know, you can't do anything wrong. It's just everything is so good. Because she just loves you. And that's God. No matter what, God just loves us. Oh, that was great. I love you. But what about us? For those who went in Revelation, turn back to chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Last night, we got out in an hour and 25 minutes. It's not going to happen today. Just want to let you know that now. Revelation chapter 2, again, Jesus, He's writing to the churches. And we can apply these things if they apply to us. And it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. God loves us. He wants to fellowship with us. But the question is, have we left our first love? Are you this morning out there this morning and going, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm there. 
And this is the loveless church I want to read, starting in, in, in verse uh, 2, chapter 2, verse 2. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Goodness gracious, this sounds like a great church, doesn't it? He knows their works, their labor, how they cannot bear with those who are evil, and they've tested those who are, say they're apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. They persevered, they have patience, they've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You left your first love. It's really easy to get into the rut of doing things in Jesus' name. Standing up against evil in Jesus' name. Doing all the right things. But when we lose and when we leave our first love, we're missing the mark. God wants to draw us back. He doesn't say stop doing those other things. But He does say come back. Come back to your first love. He commended their works and labor, but He made an accusation in their relationship with Him. God wants to have relationship. He wants to have fellowship with us. He's standing at our door. He's knocking. And so what do we want to do? We want to open the door. We want to open the door. And we've, we've begun to do that. And I want to read a scripture that talks about the repentance. It's, it's Acts 3.20. And I want you to listen to this. Don't go there because I just want to... Repent... Therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Who wants a time of ref- refreshing this morning? Who wants a time of refreshing? Don't we want a time of refreshing? There was an old song we did. It was really dorky. Um, but I loved it. It was, you know, we, He brings times of refreshing. He brings... Does anyone remember that one? A few of you? Okay. Yeah, it was dorky. But... Um, <laughs> But He does. He brings times of refreshing. And I read that Scripture last night in, in, in my preparation and, or yesterday afternoon. And, and it was just really good. And I went on and was just praying a lot. And, and he, he stopped me and He says, go back. And I had to go back. And He says, where does the refreshing come from? And I went, oh, it comes from the presence of the Lord. Praise God. That's where the refreshing comes. We're talking about being revived. We're talking about being refreshed. It comes from the presence of the Lord. And I went, great. Now I want to go into the Greek and I want to find out what presence meant. And I went in there looking because I knew that presence was going to be really spiritual. Presence was going to mean presence. I was really hoping it was just going to be one of those words that was just perfectly translated in the Greek. And so I went there because I had an agenda. Yeah, I'm sure you've never read the Bible with an agenda. So, um, so I went there looking to find out what presence meant, hoping it meant something. When I got there, I found out that it didn't mean presence. It really means or denotes the face, the front side. And I went, ooh, that's even better. You know, I was surprised that God's way was better than mine. <laughs> and so that God's going to bring refreshing from His face. And I went, wow, now what? We need to see His face. We need to see His face. And, and immediately I went, Moses, Moses, in Exodus chapter 33 and chapter 34, the giving of the law, Moses, Moses is talking with God again and they're arguing like they did a lot. And, you know, Moses was bold. Then again, I think we've argued with God a few times too. And he was saying, oh, you know, we're not going to go on without you and having this conversation. And it kind of gets weird and changes in verse 33. He says, show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to put you between the cleft of the rock 
and I'm going to let my glory pass in front of you and I'm going to cover you with my hand. And then I'm going to take my hand away and let you see my back. Because you can't see my face and live. If you see my face, you'll die. So I'm going to pass in front of you, hold my hand over, and when I get in front of you, I'm going to take my hand away and I'm going to let you see the backside. And this is what Moses saw in chapter 34, starting in verses, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And then he goes on to see, Moses goes on and he sees more. He says, but by no means does God clear the guilty. He visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What a picture of God, merciful, triumphant, forgiving sin, yet not holding the guilty unpunished. And that's just his backside. That's just his back. And because of, of the scripture we read in the opening of Hebrews, in Hebrews, we get to go into the Holy of Holy past the garment. We don't have to stop. In the Old Testament, they could not go in and be in the presence of God. If as you've read, if you've read there, it said that once a year the high priest was able to go into the very presence of God to meet with God. Only once a year. And he went in there with fear and trembling. Tradition says that the, the, the robe that the priest wore had bells on the bottom. And it was the high priest who could go in only once a year. And he would go in with bells on the bottom of his robe and they tied a rope or a sash around him. And that he would go in there and make a sacrifice for the children of Israel once a year into the Holy of Holies. The reason he had the bells on, because if he went in there and he was, had sin in his own life and God didn't receive the sacrifice, he would die. And so they would listen for the tinkling of the bells. And if the bells stopped tinkling, they knew that he had died. And they would pull him back out because they couldn't go in there to get him. Once a year into the Holy of Holies. But through Jesus' sacrifices, we read that we can go into the throne of grace. We can go right in there and we can begin to see the face of God. Moses only saw his backside and saw those things. I have determined in my life, I don't know if I've ever seen God's face. I think maybe I've seen his ear. Because he has so much glory, he has so much in store for me. He's wooing me and he's calling me to come and press in deeper and deeper and deeper. He wants us to see his face. And when we see his face, we're going to have times of refreshing. We're going to be in his presence. We're also going to have joy. Psalm 1611 says there's, there's joy. Then His presence is fullness of joy. So in His presence, in His face, we get to have rest and we get to have joy. That's where I want to be. God is calling us to come to Him and to seek Him. In Matthew 11.28, and I'm giving a lot of scriptures. If you can't keep up, you can get the CD or listen to it online. Matthew eleven twenty says, Come to me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. He wants us to come. He wants us to seek Him out. And He's going to give us rest. He's going to give us peace. He's going to give us hope. He's going to give us joy. We need to seek Him. We need to seek Him. Let's go to Psalm 42. This is a very familiar psalm, I'm sure, to most of us. And I said last night, and nobody could, could um, confirm or... or uh, or, or unconfirm this. But Psalm 42 
It says, As the deer pants for brooks, for water brooks, so my soul pants for you. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. It's the King James. And I have heard that when a deer is really thirsty and hasn't found water for a while, when it's looking for water, it pants so loud. It's this really, just this horrible sound. Like it just can't, it just needs water. And, and you know, deer, to make any noise is strange to me. But it's this horrible, loud panting and desiring of water. And, and is anyone, can anyone confirm that or say, no, that's not true? Is anyone? I'm looking for the hunter who shot Bambi and said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I, I heard that, I went, wow, David, David was a man. He was out in the wilderness. He knew. And he thought, he picked the animal that seemed most desperate. He could have said any animal. You know, dogs are pretty... <laughs> Oh, as, as the dog pants for water, so my soul longs for you. No, he picked the deer, and I, I believe it's because the deer seemed so desperate. It sounded and looked so desperate for that water. And he says, so my soul longs for you. Can we be like David this morning and long for God in such a way that, that we make commotion and there's nothing that's going to stop us? That deer, I'm sure nothing's going to stop that deer from getting the water. Let's be like David, so my soul longs for you. Oh God. In Jeremiah 29:11. Jeremiah 29:11. We spent time there last week. It says I know the thoughts I think toward you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Reiterating the same thing. We need to seek God and search for God with everything that's within us. Begin to just say, nothing's going to hold me back. I need to see the face of God. I'm not going on like Moses says. I'm not going on without you. Show me your glory, God. We need to begin to press in and find Him and seek Him and see His face. And what will we find? What's the results of all that seeking? In the same chapter, in verse 14, it says, I will be found by you. The result is if we seek God with all of our hearts and go for Him, we're, He's going to be found. We're going to find Him. He doesn't hide Himself from us. He wants to be found, but He has to be found under certain circumstances and conditions. We have to repent. We have to seek Him. With all of our heart, and he's gonna, and we're gonna find him. Last night I shared, and and I sometimes I feel like as we're seeking God, that God is like like me as a dad, with with all of my kids as they were learning to walk. You know, I would let them take a step or two, and but once they got a step or two, then when they started walking again, I would, come on, come, and I'd back up a little bit, back up a little bit, teaching them to press in and run and learn how to walk and find me and seek me. And I would help them to grow in how to walk. And sometimes I feel like that's what, that's what I feel God is doing to me. Sometimes they come and I was like, man, you God, you keep moving back. But he's helping me to grow until I can walk strong and finally reach him. Always there. Always there. Helping us, encouraging us on. But we're going to find him when we seek him with all of our heart. Another thing we're going to be we're going to be transformed. 
We're going to be transformed when we seek Him and we press into God. And I was thinking about Genesis 32. Genesis 32 is the account of Jacob wrestling with the angel of God. And he wrestles with him all night. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so we know the story that the angel reaches down and he, and he touches his hip. Poor Jacob, man, if you've ever had a hip go out, it doesn't feel good. You know, and, and bang, and he's wrestling with God and he continues to wrestle with him. And what was the outcome of that? The angel said, what is your name? And Jacob says, Jacob. Well, Jacob means deceiver. And he made Jacob confess that he was a deceiver. Who are you? I'm a deceiver. He says, no longer you're going to be called Israel. He was transformed because he pressed in and he wrestled with God. When we seek Him, we'll find Him. When we seek Him, we'll be transformed by Him. And I tell you, I need to be transformed. I've got things in my life that still need to be transformed. God wants to do some things. Uh, The other thing we're going to do is we seek God, and this is really important. We hear from Him. We hear from God. We think of seeking and praying to God often as talking to Him. God bless my family. Dear God, protect me. Get, watch over my children. Lord, I pray for a new job. I pray for this. That's only part of prayer. Communication is two ways. When we pray and seek God, He doesn't just want to hear from us. And that's, that's great. He wants to hear from us, but He doesn't only want to hear from us. He wants to speak to us. Psalm 85. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 85, verses 6 through 9. It starts out with a prayer with a question. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? That's my, that's my heart. God, revive us again that your people will rejoice in you. Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. Now we said, God, we want to see revival. We want to be personally revived. And so the next part is, show us your mercy because we're sinful. Save us. Verse 8 says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people and to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. I will hear God because God is going to speak to you. Can't turn back to our folly. We press in. We keep pressing in. It's a continual thing and God is going to begin to speak to us. God is going to begin to speak to us. Jeremiah, I told you I was in Jeremiah. All over. Jeremiah 33.3, and for those last night, you know, I apologize, I never read Jeremiah 33.3 last night. Guys, some of you came back for seconds today. Glutton for punishment. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me, I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He's going to speak to us. He's going to show us great and mighty things. 
Hey, I need, I want to see some great and mighty things. I have seen plenty of mediocre things in my life. I am tired of seeing mediocre things in the Christian church. I want to see great and mighty things in my life, in my family, in this place, in the body of Christ, in this world. I want to see the lost saves. I want to see them and He's going to show them to me if I seek Him, if I press in. He's not, He doesn't want to hold these things back. He says, come, come to me and I want to tell you, I want to speak to you, I want to show you great and mighty things. And that's what I want to do. Hallelujah. The NIV says unsearchable things. Things so deep you can't even search them out. That's cool. With everything that we can do, technology-wise, the Hubble, the, the telescope, with everything we can do, still God is going to show us unsearchable things. Call to Him. We need to spend enough time to listen. That's difficult. That's difficult for many of us is to spend enough time with Him to listen. Really good at talking, as you can tell. Just blabber and blabber and blabber. But am I a good listener? Sometimes to listen to God, is that is the hardest thing to do. That is the hardest thing to do. It's like when I go to bed with my wife, we turn off the light. And we happen to be a couple who gets into bed together like every night. I mean, we just we go to bed at the same time. And our heads hit the pillow and her mouth opens. <laughs> it's magical. And there in the dark, my eyes wide open and seeing nothing, I have to focus and concentrate on what my wife says. And it is so hard. She elbows me sometimes and says, You're snoring! Because it's hard to listen. And so if, if it's really important, I've got to turn the light on. And I'll, I've done that. When, it, when, when, it's, when I go, oh, this, is a, this is really important. I need, I'll sit up in bed. You know, I'll turn. I've got to see her because it's, it's too dark. And, and she's not looking at that moment for me to talk back. I, it's, we, she, she likes to communicate with me earlier in the evening. But when we go to bed for some reason, she just wants me to listen. And if I'm not involved and engaged in the conversation, it's harder. And that's the way it is with God. You've got to prepare yourself for this conversation. But you know, at the end of the day, some of the great things that happens with Shannon, the kids are asleep, the house is cleaned, and now she's sharing with me her feelings and her heart. And I need to listen to that. More than when we were sitting on the couch at 8, and she's talking about how the, the toilet was leaking or whatever it was. She's sharing me her heart. She's sharing me the deep things of Shannon. And God wants to do that. And He says, just be quiet. I want to talk to you now. And so we need to find ways that we can turn on our light and say, I'm going to listen to you, God. One of the things that I do is, is I, if you're like me, I start praying and I say, oh God, and I, and I start listening. 
And immediately I think, the car needs to be washed. Okay, no, 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 no car being washed. You know, you need to call so and so. And these thoughts of the things that I need to do begin to press upon my mind. And I used to think I was so unspiritual because I didn't know what to do. And so finally I heard at a conference, and back then it was write it down. Go with a pad and a paper. And if you think, wash the car, have a pad there says, and write, wash the car. And then you're done. You don't have to worry about forgetting it any longer. It's written down. So you can say, okay, I will, and move on. And it's helped. So now I, I've, got a ta- I've got my tasks in here, you know, so I type in here, wash the car. I'm not afraid to, to do that because I want to make sure I'm focusing. And, and I don't want to get distracted. So do whatever it is. Listen to God. He wants to show you great and mighty things. And that's what we're lacking. We're lacking that. We're lacking the intimacy where God speaks to us. And He shows us things that He wants to. See, the prophets heard from God. All we hear the prophets, they were in tune with God and God would speak to them about what He was doing. That's what we want to have today. But because of the Holy Spirit, we all can prophesy. Do you know that's what the Bible says? It's not just for one person. The Bible says we can all prophesy. So as we begin to press in, God wants to speak to us individually about His plans. And He wants to confirm it among the people. We need to hear from God. Lord, speak to us. Help us to be like Isaiah and Jeremiah. God and Ezekiel. Father, we want to be like Elijah and Elisha. We want to be your prophets. But we need to spend time with him. We need to press in and listen and let him speak to us. And there's a reason that we don't... We we want to make sure we're doing that because there's a lot of false prophets. Jeremiah 23, the whole chapter of Jeremiah 23 talks about the false prophets. Prophets of God. Prophets of Israel who were prophesying falsely. They were saying things like, it's all okay. And and they were telling the the people of Israel who were in captivity, it's all going to be, it's all fine. And the message was, no, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years and it's going to be bad, but you're going to be here. It says, plant vineyards, you're going to be here for a while. But after that time, I'm going to come and I'm going to heal you and I'm going to do the work. We don't want to be caught up with people who speak something that we want to hear because it sounds better. We want to hear from God to be ready because if it all hits the fan and we're expecting all roses, we're going to fall away. But if we're pressing into God and we know what He's doing and it hits the fan, we'll say, this isn't a surprise. God told me it was coming. Press in. Let God speak to you. Let Him show you great and mighty things. And we need to that. We need that this night. Hallelujah. Jeremiah fifteen nineteen. Jeremiah fifteen nineteen. In the NIV... Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. God, we've been repenting and we want to continue to do that. Lord, restore us that we might serve you. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. 
He's calling to us. Repent. And He's going to restore us that we might serve Him. That we'll speak worthy things and not unworthy. We'll speak the truth. We'll hear from God. We'll speak the things that God is saying. And then He goes on and closes. It says, Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. That is a hard walk every day to not turn to the world, to not look like them. He says, come out from among them and be separate, be different. He says, let this people turn to you. Why, why on earth would the world want to turn to the church? They don't. Our divorce rate is just as high in the church as it is in the, is in the world. I don't know if our kids are faring much better in the church as they are in the world. Why? Because why in the world would they want to? In the world they wouldn't. But as we begin to press into God and seek Him and hear from Him and be elevated and begin to see His glory and be transformed by Him, then they're going to see the glory of God and they're going to want to come to us. Because we have the truth. We have the glory of God. We have forgiveness. We have healings and miracles working in our midst. And those are the things that He, begin, he wants to do among us. He doesn't want the, the satisfied, mediocre church. There's plenty of that around. I would question, what's the difference today between any one of us and a Mormon? Our theology is different, but are our lives, do we have the glory of God manifested more in our lives? Do we have the power of God manifested more in our lives? God help me. I believe that's what He wants. In Acts, He poured out His Spirit and He transformed the place. And throughout the whole book of Acts, and once Jesus left, He says, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. And it was revival time. And one thing that was definitely for sure, everything was different. The disciples had power. They were healing. They were prophesying. Things were happening different. As we press in and begin to find the face of God, we're going to see His glory and we're going to be transformed and the power of God is going to be manifest in the church. And then we will look different. And people will come and say, I don't know what it is you believe, but I know something's different about you. In Oak Valley Church, the church we just came from, we, we, we were pressing in in prayer and praying and pressing in for, for a lot of months. And right as we were leaving, it just began to, to break loose. And healings were beginning to take place. Well, two weeks ago... Uh, a deaf person received their healing in the, in the service. A week before that, two, a mother and a daughter had both had chronic back problems and were in excruciating pain. Both of them were healed. God is not dead. God wants to do things. He wants to pour out His Spirit upon His people and we need to press in and begin to just say, nothing is going to hold me back any longer. Well, one of the things that's happening also at that church is it's weird. It's looking a little bit weird. Because when God is doing things, things get a little bit weird. And, and, and the, the job of leadership gets harder. Because you have to separate the weird weirdos from the God weirdos. And, and, and sometimes you, you think you're good, but you're just off. But you know what? We have to be, we're going to take some steps of faith in this place to say, God, are we going to allow you to move? Because it's going to get strange at times. And we'll have to bear with one another because one day Jaden's going to jump up and he's going to prophesy this crazy word. And it's going to be wrong. And 
And we're not going to throw him out of the church. We're going to take him as leaders and we're going to help and instruct and encourage him and find out what he ate for dinner the night before and says, don't eat pizza on a Saturday night. It messes up your prophetic ability. But we'll go and we'll move because God wants to pour out His glory and show us His face. He doesn't want to just show His back or His ear. He wants to show us His face and it's glorious. I don't even know what it is, but I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. Are you willing to go along? One, are you willing to press in yourself? Because I tell you, that's what we want. Why don't you begin to press in? If you're not ready yet, keep coming because you're going to get ready. Because the glory of God is going, to become, is going to fall down as we seek Him. Seek Him personally. We come together on a cell night. The glory of God is going to move there. We come together on a Saturday night and a Sunday morning. And just that much more glory of God. You ready? Are you willing? God. It's hard to seek your face. If you're ready to stand. An amazing an hour and 25 minutes. <laughs> Don't get used to it. <sighs> Hallelujah, Lord. There's joy and rest great and mighty things to hear and the truth and power to be His spokesman as we seek Him and get into His presence. Lord Jesus, Father, I thank You that You're taking us on this journey of repentance and of seeking Your face. God, I pray, I pray, God, that it doesn't stop this morning. God, that it just takes every moment, God, of beginning to seek You. Lord, I pray that You would call us to dedicated times of prayer and waiting and listening. God, I pray that it would take us into times of fasting. God, I pray that nothing will hinder us, Lord. I pray that You would give us focus to to chase You down, to be what Tommy Tinney even said, to be God chasers. Not satisfied with our mediocre worship, not satisfied with our mediocre Christian lives but God desiring to see your face. God, as Moses said, we will not go on without your glory. We will not go on without your presence. Show us your glory, God. Show us your face. Help us press through. God, we know that we can't do it for anything that we've accomplished. We can't do it on our own strength, but only by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice that you made. Draw us, Lord Jesus. God, let us be transformed like Israel. Let us be transformed. Bless us. Fill us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you don't have a cell group, I encourage you to look in the cell directory. Find, In fact, I'm just real quick. If you're a cell leader, raise your hand.